Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Mother Teresa, come be my light, private writings of the Saint of Calcutta. Chapter 6 continued. Section 2. She is absolutely sure. As Mother Teresa had predicted, from this point onward, Archbishop Perrier became her earnest advocate and principal guide. His present task was to help her move through the process of being freed from her obligations as a Loretto nun. An important issue was whether or not Mother Teresa would remain a member of the Loretto order once she began living outside the convent. In her letter to Mother Gertrude, she disclosed, she disclosed her intention to ask for annulment of her vows, secularization. At the same time, though she was convinced that a complete separation from Loretto was required, she was determined to remain consecrated to Jesus as a religious, as she had stressed earlier. Nobody can unbind me from God. I am consecrated to him, and as such, I desire to die. I don't know what the canon law has to say in this matter, but I know our Lord will never allow himself to be separated from me, neither will he allow anyone to separate me from him. She sought assurance from the archbishop that she would remain totally bound to Christ. I want also to make sure that the very minute my vows as a Loretto nun will be annulled, will you let me bind myself by those which keep me his from that very minute? I do not desire, even for a minute, to pass without my whole being not belonging to him. She sought reassurance from the archbishop that she would remain totally bound to Christ. I want also to make sure that the very minute my vows as a Loretto nun will be annulled, will you let me bind myself by those which will keep me his from that very minute? I do not desire, not even a minute to pass, without my whole being not belonging to him. Father Van Exum had recommended exclaustration, which would allow her to retain her vows as a Loretto nun and return to her order if the venture did not succeed. Mother Teresa, for her part, insisted on petitioning for secularization. As to leaving the door open to Loretto, she was confident that this safeguard would not be necessary. If the inspiration comes from God, and I am convinced it does, there could be no question of failure. Archbishop Perrier came to Mother Teresa's defense. He too saw that it might be more prudent to favor exclaustration. Nevertheless, after dealing with her during the previous year, he understood and respected her position. Because the inspiration was from God, he would take care of it. He was, therefore, unwilling to interfere 
with her preference. For the question of choosing between exclaustration and secularization, you, Father Van Exum, may be right in preferring the former. I must admit, however, that this good person, Mother Teresa, is logical when sticking to the latter. If she is absolutely sure that our Lord wants her to do that work for him, there is no question of failure and therefore no question of returning to her former order. I can understand that well, and that is why I do not wish to influence her one way or the other. For the sake of confidentiality, Archbishop Perrier took charge of Mother Teresa's correspondence with her Loretto superiors. Upon receiving from Father Van Exum her letter to Mother Gertrude, the Archbishop, with his faith-filled wisdom, observed to his Jesuit confrere, Our work is at an end now. It was our business to examine whether we could allow her to go ahead. The rest is the work of God entirely, and we shall come in only as instruments. And that is our right place in God's works ad extra. The following day, the Archbishop sent her letter to Dublin together with his own report. In it, he outlined his discernment process over the past year and expressed his high regard for the Loretto nun making this unusual request. I must now add that all the while I have examined the sister, listened to the information from the spiritual father and others, I am aware that Mother Mary Teresa has not always been understood well, and that in the opinion of a few, she is not considered very highly perhaps even not favorably, owing chiefly to her previous education different in many ways from the one imparted in other countries of Europe. She is Yugoslav by nationality. I have known her for several years, even from the time she made her novitiate in India. Without exaggeration and without revealing any conscience matters, I can say that, notwithstanding exterior defects, no doubt, she has a very high ideal in her religious life, is intimately united with our Lord, humble and submissive, obedient, and extremely zealous, entirely oblivious of self. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, choices of priests, mirror of the divine life, pattern of humility, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Secularization versus exclaustration. This is a distinction about what can happen to a religious, that is, 
a person who has made the solemn public vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. That puts them in the religious state. That is a state that tends towards perfection by removing the main obstacles to the full development of divine love. The obedience helps to counter our self-will. Chastity, vow of chastity, absolute chastity, removes this great danger of sensuality, sexuality, sins in that area. And poverty helps to remove the dangers that the riches of this world, the things of this world can impose. So this state of a religious, in which someone dedicates herself to these three vows made to God so that divine love can grow perfectly in her. That's a permanent state. Now, how is Mother Teresa going to get out of it? She's promised herself obedience to Loretto for, for life. Well, the church has recognized that this can be released in a couple ways. Either exclaustration, meaning living outside the cloister, outside the confines of the religious order, while you keep your vows, you somehow can live outside, which is a somewhat strange situation. It's a bit like a married couple being allowed to separate while still being married. And there's reasons the church could allow this to happen. It's not encouraged. But if it's in those cases, it's usually something some dangerous. Exclaustration is not like that. I just it's an analogy though of of remaining bound but not having to live under the confines versus a complete annulment of those vows. That's called secularization. In other words, going back into the world. In some ways, the idea there is that Mother Teresa would become at that point a layperson. She would no longer be bound by those sacred vows. They would be annulled, that is, declared no longer binding, no longer even in place, as though they hadn't happened. And that would allow someone to enter another religious order or even get married, presumably. No, she's not interested in getting married, but that's the situation. That's her choice. Do I go for exclaustration, which would in case it fails, this new order, I could go back. Or do I make a complete break and set myself up and trust in God? Well, Mother Teresa is going for the, the secularization. But she's very concerned. She doesn't want to lose her bond to Jesus that's formed by those three sacred vows that intensify her baptismal promises. And so she's proposing immediate secularization, then she'll bind herself with new vows through the archbishop. That's what she really wants. And people are trying to figure this out for her. But again, who does she entrust herself to? Jesus through the archbishop. He takes care of the correspondence. He's the one that she's especially asking advice from. And on this Holy Thursday, when Jesus ordained his 12 apostles. Let us thank God that we have a hierarchy. 
Let us thank God that he has established a church over which he set the successors of the apostles, the bishops. These men have a grace of state by their ordination to carry on the mission of the apostles. And part of that mission is to govern the flock, to rule the flock. And in order to make decisions for the good of the flock, God gives them graces. It's their job to feed the sheep, yes, but also to guide, to protect, to lead. So let us pray for our bishops today. Let us ask Mother Teresa in heaven to bring forth for the church many holy bishops, like the bishop who helped her so much. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.